Cardology is now presented by Sardine, and I couldn't be more excited. You'll get to meet their founder, Soups, and some of the team later this quarter, and you'll hear a bit more about why they've caught the attention of some of the smartest fraud leaders I know throughout crypto, fintech, financial services, and e-commerce. Thanks again to Sardine for supporting this episode of Fraudology. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to this week's Thursday episode of the Fraudology podcast, where we dive into the science and study of online fraud from the perspective of an e-commerce fraud fighter. I'm Carice Hendrick. Well, this is the first episode of Fraudology in 2024. Welcome. Uh, this week, I wanted to talk a bit about some of the game-changing things that happened in fraud, at least from my perspective, in 2023. And one of the reasons why I wanted to kind of wrap that up and talk about some of those things that we talked about on the podcast over the last year and some of the newer things that we learned about is because next week, my guests will be Frank McKenna and Marianne Miller returning for um, their second annual episode talking about New Year's predictions in fraud. If you didn't listen to that episode last year, a little bit of the backstory is that Frank and Marianne for the last several years, I think maybe the last five or six, have been getting together and creating an article um, at the beginning of each year uh, talking about you know their top 10 or 11 or 12 you know predictions in fraud, what they think is going to happen you know, based on their perspectives, based on their experience, and all of that. And last year, they uh, very nicely invited me to join them and bring the perspective of e-commerce and online fraud to this massive article that they write every year. It was a fun experience. And so I asked them last year to come join me on an episode of the podcast to just kind of talk about some of those and dive a little deeper than you can do in an article. So for the last two weeks uh, over this holiday break, Frank, Marianne, and I have been uh, working via text and Google Docs and Zoom uh, on this massive article. I think we were able to whittle it down to top 11 predictions for 2024. Uh, and so they're going to join me next week to dive deeper into some of those predictions that we have in the blog article. But you can find that blog article now on frankonfraud.com. That's Frank McKenna's blog it was published on Wednesday, January 3rd. So before diving into what we think is going to happen in 2024, I thought it was important to talk about well, what happened in 2023. Granted, there are 90 episodes. So I'll try to summarize those 90 episodes a little bit just in some of the highlights and the things that I learned that I think are important for us to kind of, you know, take stock of before uh, this year starts too long. And then and I think that, you know, what, what happened last year is going to be a lead up and it's a pretty good indicator of what we're going to experience this year, right? And it's not like a chapter ends in fraud on December 31st and all new things happen. I mean, they just kind of continue, but I think it's it's good to just take a step back and think, okay, those are the new things that happened last year. We can expect to see them this year. And then what else are we going to see? So I divided them up into two categories. One is kind of the bigger ecosystem trends. Um, and these are things that we uh, mentioned in the article, trends that happened in 2023. And then I also had, you know, five or six here that are threats that we learned about in 2023 that, you know, will get worse, kind of more operational and tactical things. So the first thing you know, starting with this bigger ecosystem trend and the things that are happening 
you know, within the ecosystem of fraud and scams, whether it's in banking or e-commerce or just, you know, all scams targeting consumers or all of that. Um, one of the first things that you absolutely have to acknowledge is generative AI. Um, Chat GPT and all the others, you know, they're like it, uh, really came into play this year, whether it was for phishing emails or, you know, just fraudsters using it for different contexts. We also, you know, some people in the fraud side are working on how to use generative AI in fraud fighting. I think we're kind of a long ways from there unless it's, you know, an FAQ type thing or, you know, something like that. But just for text purposes, right, whether it's phishing emails or communications with customer service or others, there's just more tools to kind of cut down on time for both sides of the fence. They can be used, you know, by both sides, but I think it impacts, it does impact fraud and other things. Similar to that, deep fakes, deep fakes for videos and voice, right? So scam calls that can mimic a person or videos that can make someone think that they're talking to a real person when it's really a romance scam or, you know, and whether they're duplicating a celebrity or, you know, someone who's existing or they're creating a whole new deep fake personality and, and deep fake identity uh, to scam people. And that's something that, you know, really started in 2023 that I'm sure we'll keep seeing uh, in 2024. And as that technology gets more advanced, there will be more ways to adapt it to commit different parts of fraud. Um, another thing that uh, Frank actually brought up that I thought was interesting and really goes files under the ecosystem. It's not really anything that you can tactically identify in your networks or, or find, but it's an interesting trend. Um, and that is that there was a lot of founder fraud this last year uh, where startups were, you know, and CEOs of startups were not just found to be frauds, but some were arrested. I mean, the most obvious one is Sam Bankman Freed from FTX, but there's also, you know, Binance. Their CEO is going to have to pay a big fine. Um, I talked about that a couple weeks ago on a previous episode. Frank, which um, has no relation to Frank on Fraud Blog, but that was a fintech that I believe Chase, um, Chase Bank bought and later learned that most of the users were fake and uh, they did not have the number of users that they said they did. Um, Nicola, the um, truck company, um, and several others. So one of the things that Frank pointed out, and I thought this was kind of interesting, is you know in 2008, we had the mortgage crisis after uh, the interest rates were hiked in the US. And that's kind of a sign of maybe not recession, but, you know, financial or economic downturns. And this time around, there wasn't as much of a mortgage crisis as there was, you know, this founder fraud. And he said founder fraud became this interest rate hikes, this interest rate hike cycles mortgage crisis. I don't think that many of them set out to create fraudulent companies, but, you know, because there was so much money being given out to various startups and various, you know, back of napkin ideas in 2021 and 2022. And even a few years before that, some of the founders found themselves lying. And, you know, there's a there's kind of a thin line between a startup that has to be very positive and assume that they're going to be very successful and, and big. And then the startups that, you know, start cutting corners and start to commit crimes because, they want to stay in business. So I um, thought that was an interesting trend to point out. 
Another trend that we noticed in 2023 is that first party fraud is really being solidified and confirmed as fraud. I think this is something that we've all known for a long time. I believe the word, the term friendly fraud started back in like 2010 or 11 from my memory and different companies and different, you know, companies within the payments ecosystem are going to define first party fraud differently. But, you know, some of the ways that we see first party fraud show up is, you know, retail refund claims fraud, um, money mules, fake accounts, you know, different types of fraud where it, it's almost impossible to identify at the time of transaction or at the time of account creation because the information it belongs to that person but for whatever reason you know maybe they file chargebacks because they want to claim fraud or um, you know refund claims fraud is a good one where they're often using their own information but claiming that they didn't receive the item or that they returned the item when they really didn't things like that it's becoming a hundred billion dollar problem. And just in the last few months, the Department of Justice in the US, as well as Amazon and big banks have started to hit back and they're starting to uh, make arrests and file lawsuits. That's something that I've talked about in recent episodes as well, uh, especially around Amazon filing lawsuits against uh, not only people who committed refund fraud, but uh, employees of theirs who facilitated it and who were in on it. Um, And I think that all of those things are a bigger trend. And I know from talking to large e-commerce companies that it was a big thing for them to be able to tell their, you know, their bosses that, hey, Amazon is actually cracking down on this. And that's something that I think we'll see more companies do as well as Amazon leads the charge. It kind of gave permission to other companies to crack down on first party fraud and the way they define it. Couple more things in the fraud universe that really happened in 2023 that I think it's worth noting. Um, scams and check fraud have doubled in instances. Um, check fraud being, you know, often stolen checks in the mail cycle and then they're rewritten by and to fraudsters and cash to and or the money, you know, will transfer to another account before the check is identified as fraud. And that is happening just so, so much and it's becoming um, a go-to method of, you know, street gangs and others to do. Someone to follow on that is David Maiman, for sure. Um, he's been a guest on the podcast in the past. Uh, he's a professor at Georgia State University, and uh, he does and publishes a lot of research on check fraud that I've definitely found very informative. Scams targeting consumers have, you know, more than doubled. Uh, and it's high, hard to identify fraud when the user and or the customer is the one verifying their identity um, and using the same device as they have with other purchases or other account logins. But the scammers are targeting the consumers directly and then you know advising them to do authorized push payment scams or give them access you know to their device, whether it's their phone or their computer, and then suddenly they transfer funds you know, to another account, a lot of impersonation scams where they say that they're from the bank when they're not, things like that. Uh, those scam- instances of consumer-focused scams have gone up, you know, they've more than doubled. That's something that, you know, is important for all of us to know, especially as companies like Zelle and, you know, other countries, you know, in the UK and in the EU, and I know the US has been talking about it too, are looking at reassigning liability from saying that it's the consumer's 
it's up to the consumer to say, hey, you know what? The banks have a lot of data and they can often know when a scam is happening. And there's some advanced technology out there, you know, that we've talked about in the past where it can identify if screen share is on. It can identify if, you know, someone else is controlling that computer, those types of things. So because that technology exists, I think that we will see more uh, regulations and laws around scam reimbursement. And when that happens, that we'll have better numbers around it because the banks will be tracking it. But that has definitely become a loophole over the last couple of years that is just really impacting consumers greatly and will impact banks soon, especially, you know, if there's a liability shift and if it's, you know, on the bank to pay consumers back at some point. And then lastly, because this is just such an upbeat and happy list, um, data breaches and ransomware have also (laughs) hit every record. They've just smashed every record there was, where there's more data breaches and ransomware than ever before. Ransomware is up by 95% in 2023, which, you know, that is more about data protection and cybersecurity, but it's still important. And if you didn't listen to the episode with Robert Kerbeck, uh, when I had him on after the MGM ransomware attack, I highly recommend it because a lot of ransomware attacks are coming in through social engineering phone calls and through your customer service. So it's important to know how those are happening. And then with the data breaches, you know, they're up more than 56% in 2023 compared to 2022. And that just means that more consumer data is being sold than ever before. More consumer data is available for identity theft, for account takeovers, for all types of different kinds of fraud. You know, and also data verification becomes much harder when fraudsters have the information needed to kind of hack existing accounts, you know, account takeover, or create new ones with, you know, the correct information. So if you're using a data verification broker, it might say, yes, that person lives at that address and this is their phone number. But it could also be because that information was in a data breach and the fraudsters have it now too. So just so many more things, you know, are at play. And I think that's, uh, we're, we're probably entering the hardest year yet of fraud. I mean, that's been true the last two years, I think, you know, two or three, depending on what type of organization you work for. And I don't have any reason to think that this next year is going to slow down, which is frustrating, but um, also keeps us on our toes, I guess, if we want to try to find a silver lining. If you're a regular listener of Fraudology, you've heard me talk about SPEC. Not only does their no-code platform let you instantly assemble the fraud solutions that you need to stay ahead of bad actors, but SPEC's long list of integrations is always growing, empowering you to orchestrate your data to create customized customer journeys. SPEC lets you stay ahead of fraud while enabling great customer experiences for your legitimate users. Request your personalized demo of Spec's Trust Cloud today at specprotected.com. That's www.specprotected.com. Or you can visit their website by clicking the link in today's show notes. Now diving into you know more tactical ways that you know really things that have been game changers in fraud in 2023, things that have really impacted the landscape and probably, you know, uh, where you're working or, you know, at least the type of fraud that you see at your company. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm been keeping an eye on for the last three years has been fraud as a service that opens up this entire marketplace and economy 
so that it's no longer that one person needs to understand how to do all things, you know, how to do the the three different parts of committing fraud online, getting the data, committing the crime and cashing out. There's a lot of different ways to do each of those things, three things. And it used to be that one fraudster or one organized criminal group would have to know how to do all of those things, how to get the data, how to monetize the data, how to then get that money out and cash out, whether that's fencing items or that's transferring, you know, money into cryptocurrency or anonymous gift cards, you know, whatever that is, they're cashing it out. But now with fraud as a service, you can now reach out to anyone and get pretty much anything you want, right? There are people who just their service is to provide drop addresses in in the city, right? So you have a new address to ship items to. Others have, you know, label manipulation for refund claims fraud or thousands of spam emails at the same time that you're using a victim's real email address to order an item or to log into their banking account uh, or MFA bots, right? Uh, to trick multi-factor authentication. Uh, just those types of things. It allows the fraud as a service marketplace really allows for, you know, fraudsters to be more adaptable and flexible because they don't have to learn everything from scratch. They can just kind of piecemeal things out and often for pennies on the dollar. And yeah, uh, social media platforms like Telegram, like Discord, like Facebook, these are all used for advertising fraud as a service. But whether those go away tomorrow or they stay, they're, I don't think that fraud as a service is going away anytime soon. They will find a way to advertise. They'll find a way to solicit new customers for whatever type of fraud they're offering. So I think that's something we just need to continue to look at and watch. I'm concerned about multi-platform exploits. I talked about that earlier on in the year. I think it was in April where fraudsters are using multiple platforms to create and commit fraud. Um, the example I used then was, you know, fraudsters obtaining social security numbers and full credit card numbers through some specific credit repair sites and how they could get the first six digits and last four digits of a card from a credit report, but then they could get the middle numbers from an obscure credit repair site that <laughs> would mask the first six and the last four, but provide the middle. That's one example of a multi-system exploit. There's so many others, uh, whether it's exploiting the shipping company that uh, ships the items that you're trying to steal or, uh, you know, exploiting doing a SIM swap, right, at, at a telco is then going to allow you to access a bank account and provide the one-time password to be able to access that bank account because they're sending it to the phone number of the person who owns that account. And if you've SIM swapped it at the bank or SIM swapped it at the telco, then the bank thinks that they're doing their due diligence and doing a multi-factor authentication. But really the fraudster now has control of that phone number. So I think we will continue to see more multi-platform exploits like we did in 2023. Um, this really became the year of the insiders. I mean, I think we've always had a few insiders, but this kind of goes hand in hand with fraud as a service and also multi-platform exploits to a certain extent. Because, you know, using the example of uh, SIM swapping at a telco, one of the most popular ways to do that now, you know, it used to be to call in and impersonate the person whose phone number it was. And that still happens, but not at the same scale because 
telcos have put in different uh, preventions in place to be able to verify people's identity and verify that they really are the account holder of the phone number and that they really can authorize it. So then they go to the next path of least resistance, which is, well, we'll offer people who work at the phone company, you know, oftentimes in their in-person stores, you know, we'll offer them extra money. Oftentimes they're making minimum wage or close to it. So if we offer them an extra $50 or $100 USD uh, to sign up a new account, not only or to sign up a new account under that telco, which then creates a SIM swap. Not only are they, you know, facilitating fraud and they're getting paid for that, but they're also counting it as a sign up for their commissions. And so we see this quite a bit, especially with one particular telco. It's advertised all over Telegram that they have insiders. But this happens, you know, with refund fraud, right? Where an employee at a shipping carrier or an employee at a retailer uh, is offered extra money to work, use their access to make it look like items were returned to a warehouse when they weren't, or make it look like an item was lost in transit or returned to sender when it wasn't. So insiders are going to continue to be a big threat in 2024, but they were a huge threat in 2023 and something we kind of learned halfway through the year of like, wow, this is this is really bad. And this is all a part of them trying to beat us at our own game, right? We put in prevention steps and they try to go to the next path of least resistance, which is sometimes, you know, going straight to the consumer first to scam them or, you know, going to the actual company and trying to hire someone on the side to abuse the their systems access and their knowledge of the systems for their company. A lot of times, you know, it's people that don't have a ton of company or corporate loyalty. Maybe they've only been with the company for six months, um, but they know just enough to make them dangerous and to not, you know, want to ask for help or not think that they need to ask for someone for help if they're doing um, one of these tasks for someone else. So that was something that we learned about this year that I thought, okay, this is a game changer. It's changing up the way that fraud occurs and therefore how we identify it uh, and how we'll catch it or prevent it. And then the last two were probably the most scary. Um, and I've talked about them a fair amount over the last few months. Um, one is, you know, purchasing bots. And this is primarily for e-commerce, though some fintech are experiencing it as well. There's always been, well, not always, but there's often a layer of cybersecurity bot bot detection that's meant to keep the servers, you know, keep the network running smoothly and to not have their servers overwhelmed with web traffic. Uh, like a DDoS attack. But now purchasing bots have become so big and also available very easily, whether it's fraud as a service or, you know, you just go to the company that uh, was featured on Shark Tank, as I shared back in October, or October or November, I can't remember which one, but uh, a couple of months ago, uh, there was a company on Shark Tank that said, hey, we're modernizing you know, the ability to give anyone bots or democratizing the ability to uh, provide any users with purchasing bots, whether it's for event tickets or video game consoles or anything like that. And these purchasing bots are not all good purchases. A lot of times there's fraud mixed in there as well. Um, not to mention policy abuse and the impact it can have on your good customers when bots buy up everything that you want to sell. And purchasing bots are now circumventing cybersecurity bot detection, um, especially when those uh, bot detection companies so heavily rely on JavaScript and cookies. 
They're often blocking JavaScript. They're using ad blockers or anti-detect so that they're not blocked at the upfront. They're not blocked by the cybersecurity bot detection tools. Instead, bots are having to be identified much further downstream by a fraud prevention tool, which are not necessarily equipped to identify bot traffic. So that's become a pretty big game changer in 2023, where a lot of retailers as well as digital companies have realized, oh, our bot detection is basically non-existent now. We're getting attacked by a lot of bots. What do we do? And that, you know, using JavaScript blockers can also, you know, circumvent some fraud tools as well. Um, Those fraud tools that rely on heavily on cookies and uh, device data um, and JavaScript. Uh, But, you know, mostly the the bots that are kind of circumventing the traditional bot detection are definitely something that is top of mind for a lot of companies. Um, And like I said, sometimes there's fraud related to it, you know, payment fraud or account fraud. But other times it's effect of you're ruining your good customer's experience because you're giving all of the you know limited supply items to bots that are just going to resell the items. Sometimes resell internationally, sometimes resell domestically, but it doesn't matter. Uh, they're profiting off of your company and your customers aren't benefiting. They aren't getting that benefit for being a loyal customer. And then lastly, this is something that we talked about quite a bit in September, um, as well as a little bit in October. And that is, you know, AI bots that are really adapting to companies very quickly and adapting, really ingesting this information and adapting to find vulnerabilities. And oftentimes those vulnerabilities are within the integration points or the uh, API communications between a third party vendor and an online bank or e-commerce company or fintech. These are scary things. And I've worked with enough companies to know, you know, what they look like and why they happen. Uh, But there's just more and more getting out there where they kind of deploy them towards your company to figure out how can we get around the systems? Where are those gaps that we can exploit? Where are the vulnerabilities? And then they'll just keep making orders until they can find, okay, if we do this, this, and this, then it'll get through. And uh, sometimes it'll be a short burst of attacks and then they'll go away. Other times it'll be a burst of attacks that won't go away until you can try to identify them. And they're also bots, but they're a little similar. They're different than purchasing bots because these bots are specifically trained to adapt and make purchases, exploiting vulnerabilities within the fraud process or within the account protection process. I'm worried about them. I'm worried about how AI bots and bots in general are going to continue to evolve. Technology is evolving at such a fast speed and Quite honestly, fraudsters don't have to ask for budget. They don't have to make a pitch deck and explain why it's important or provide, you know, an ROI analysis uh, before getting a new tool. They just deploy the new tool. So they are, we're at such a disadvantage compared to them because they're adapting so quickly and learning how to take advantage of new technology to be able to exploit our systems. Well, we're just over here going, well, we're using the same tools as we did two years ago, but they're not. And so it's not a fair fight. And as we go into this new year, I think we just need to be prepared that to know it's not a fair fight, but to do whatever we possibly can to try to even that playing field. And I think the first step in that battle is knowing 
you know, knowing what the threats are, knowing what's new. And so that's why I took a little time today to go through some of those game changers and some of those threats that I see uh, as things that we learned in 2023 that we're going to keep seeing in 2024. And then I also, you know, shared some of the things on the broader scope of fraud and scams and how they're also growing. It's a perfect storm and it's you know not going to be an easy year, I'm sure. But, you know, I will continue the podcast and continue to try to bring you the best uh, guests and uh, information that I possibly can. And I encourage you to, you know, reach out to me if you have any specific questions or a topic that you want to learn about this year. Um, I'm really excited about some of the guests that are coming up, uh, especially in this first quarter. Um, and I want to make sure that, you know, we're talking about topics that you care about and that help you do your job better. So uh, please keep up that two-way communication. I always appreciate it. And I will look forward to speaking with you more next week when I have Frank McKenna and Marianne Miller on to talk about our predictions in fraud for 2024. again to Sardine for sponsoring this episode of Fraudology and for supporting information sharing and collaboration across the fraud fighter ecosystem. You can learn more about the team and their mission at Sardine via the link in today's episode description.